to this episode of Marvellous, covering Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode three, Power Broker. With me today, we have... Hi, I'm Matthew. <laughs> and... <laughs> the other one. <laughs> you don't bloody know by Matthew. now. <laughs> and the other one. <laughs> I, I just like to let you introduce yourselves, you know. <laughs> So I've seen this episode three times and I'm trying to sort of give a quick summary of it. But every time I think of like small scenes from the middle that actually weren't relevant to the overall plot, um, nor were they relevant to, frankly, everyone's highlight from this episode, which was the dance sequence. Um, and I, I can't think of anything better to start with than that dance sequence. Um, Laura, why don't you tell us your feelings? Literally only on the dance sequence. I mean, we, I, I'm hosting this episode and I, I'm making my priorities very clear. Why did I know this would be the case? Um, yeah, I have to say when I first saw it, um, I did a bit of a double take because it's, it's kind of long enough for you to see it, but short enough where you think, but did I see that? So I had to rewind and have a quick look. Um, but it is beautiful. Isn't um, it? And... Uh, if anyone hasn't found it yet, the Twitter account at Zemo Dances 2 is heaven as they have just put the clip on repeat and then you can actually DM them with uh, requests for what songs you would like to see him dancing to. And I have to say, um, Bonnie Tyler's Holding Out for a Hero mm-hmm. and actually the original Star Spangled Man worked particularly well. Mm. Well, yeah. so many layers to uh, this show. I mean, I'm assuming they've put it to toxic mm. early on. Because everything goes that. with toxic. Not even on TikTok, <laughs> everything goes with toxic. Really I mean, everything. Well. It's Absolutely. one of the greatest songs of our time. I will be uh, yeah. messaging them. I think they may have closed nice. requests at the moment because they were overwhelmed. I'm but, um... sure we can make it happen if we need to. <laughs> I, mean... <laughs> I will put a link in the notes. Um, um, we will move to pressing topics soon. But Matthew, how did you enjoy the dance sequence? I missed it the first time, so I thoroughly enjoyed the Twitter ground. Just, just I think I blinked and missed it. I saw, I saw the second watch, but yeah, you wonder if he was just kind of having a bop, and then yeah. they cut it in. It's just, it's, it's what a wonderful moment of joy, just when we most needed it. Anyway, back back to more serious points. Um, the episode as a whole covers all sorts of ground. It turns out Sharon Carter really is in this show. Here she is. We went like there she. Goes. Blinking <laughs> your missa. Yeah, well, no, no one lied to me, and there it was. And I'm really excited to hear everyone's thoughts on everything about this. But, um, Matthew, how did you find this episode? I, I have one note, <laughs> and that's GRC advert. Mm. And well, you started at the beginning, and then, you <laughs> and then I was like, pick it back up. And then the episode happens, and then it stops, and it's all. I have seen it described as video gamey nonsense. Just go over here and talk to this person. Go over here and talk to this person. Press X to deceive by drinking snake thing. And then the episode's over and they're on to their next bit of the mission. It is a bit questy. It's a bit fetch quest. quest is not very clear. Um, I I did. I have had to look up who Sharon Carter was fighting. So I'm like, I don't understand who all these people are that she's mm. just randomly fighting. Like, they're bounty hunters. People out of nowhere. Well, that's what it says. Yeah. Because, and you know, it, in case no one had noticed, this was written by someone who wrote John Wick. <laughs> that explains a lot. I did see it referred to as a John Wick tribute episode. It is, and basically, I haven't yeah. seen John Wick. Does that work? John Wick's good, if, if you go into it expecting it to be like that. 
I mean, it sounded very traumatic. There was something about a dog, and I thought, yeah. you know what, not now. <laughs> this episode is basically John Wick without the plot. Right. Right. So, uh, the, the aesthetics, certainly the aesthetics from the sequels are heavy no here. No Keanu either, which is quite important. And no Keanu, which is a shame, yeah. Only Steve's mm. beard. <laughs> God. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, there are so many scenes in this episode and so little plot. <laughs> and I, I don't quite understand what we watch. It was very much like when you're reading the comic book, and you're thinking, someone told me this was a good one. This was a good one. Is it the next one that's good? You know, I'm just, I'm just going to go through this. I'm going to go through. Should it. I appreciate the drawings here? Is that yeah, the the lettering? Because <laughs> yeah. I do love a good lettering. I'm, I'm not being ridiculous, but sometimes you wonder what, which element was I meant to enjoy here? Um, everything that I've enjoyed so far, I, I enjoyed a little bit less. Laura, what did you think of the episode as a whole? Did you have more than one note? <laughs> oh, darling. <laughs> I have a book. I'm my usual two sides of my phone. Um, uh, I have been the Pollyanna of the MCU, including Civil hey. War, which I did watch at the weekend again. And then, and then well, no, <laughs> don't put words in my mouth. No, and said uh, there wasn't Sorry. anything particularly new I'd noticed because I remembered it so much from last time. Um, this one, it's missing something. I think there's really great performances. There's some great performances. There's some interesting characters, but there's this, there's a certain X factor with the top tier MCU, and this doesn't have it for me. Um, and I think I can probably say that for the series so far. I think I was, you know, we said before it's going to have to kick in in three in episode three because you know we've had setup, 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 and I think. It has. Lots of stuff happened, as we've said. But the writing didn't feel great on this episode. There were some bits that felt rushed. I really wanted a lot more Sharon. Unless, you know, there may be a reason that's being held back. But it felt there were rushed bits. And then it felt there were, like, really flabby bits. Like, all the stuff with the snake didn't need that, frankly. All of the stuff, the, the phone call that seemed to go on forever... And and you're just thinking, well, Sam, Sam would just cancel the call as soon as he saw it was Sarah. How did he think that was going to go? Just hang up. Yeah, or right. Or used to put it on speakerphone because he's smiling tiger. Why should he listen to this woman? You know. Uh, so, I am feeling a little bit let down. Always hopeful still. Okay. And this is some stuff which I'm thinking. Oh, if they do this with it, that will be great. But um, I, yeah. Whereas Wonder Vision is still in my top echelons of marvel this and it kills me to say but when abby's talked about the gray mcu this is feeling like the grayest of the gray i'm not saying it's the worst thing we did have some praise into yeah some gray the MCU. first time i watched it it was like mid-morning um and um i couldn't see half of it because it was light outside <laughs> so i had to ask abby like was that I'd... okay fine no that's fine that's what happened Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know a shipping container fight sequence as it's a little bit of a budget decision. It, it it always feels like a budget decision when you go to shipping containers, and mm. you know when you you made the effort to go to Madripoor, you're seen it in distance. So where are we going to send the action? Shipping containers. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, 
I just, yeah, I, I think I... I felt like I was enjoying it the first time I watched it. And then I tried to think. Sorry, keep that cat away from the microphone. <laughs> Just like smack. When I was when I was smack editing the, the last episode, I was dreaming in a Cruella Deville way of a lovely ginger coat. He's but sat just, on the mic. Perfect. Matthew it's won't be saying fine. much for this episode. Dude, dude, he's been eating the microphone. There's a bit sticking out of it. Right. Where was I? Yeah. I felt a lot more like a comic book again. Like, I do think that this show has captured something of the comic book, as I say. Not necessarily the best comic books, but it's got that kind of, now we're going here, now we're going here, not sure what to do, but i got five pages due by lunchtime, <laughs> let's go. Um, let's go somewhere, anywhere. This could be anywhere. Draw some shipping containers, and we can just, you know, move it back or forth a bit as we need. It did feel a bit like that fight sequence was transferable. Mm. I suppose we probably shouldn't leave it any longer. Um, the Sharon thing is is annoying me uh-huh. the most, I think. Mm. But but there's I'm quite annoyed about a lot of things I think in this episode. But but let's start with Sharon. Has she previously had a personality? They didn't use her very well previously. Okay, tell tell me more things. Uh, so we first saw her in the Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier? Mm-hmm. And so she was um, his next door neighbour that um, Natasha was trying to get him to ask out. Um, and then it turns out, actually, no, she was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who was stationed there to keep an eye on uh, Steve. Because there are next door neighbours are just not a normal thing. No, nope, absolutely know. not. Um, all along. And uh, <laughs> for those who don't recall, she is actually the niece of um, Peggy Carter, the uh, woman that Steve ends up with. But Steve has also snogged her. So that's all a bit weird. Niece or great niece? I, I think it probably would be great niece, wouldn't it? Because mm. at the time, I think in the comics she was originally niece, and then as time went on, she ended up having to be great niece. Okay, it it yeah. does not matter a, a job, but yeah. Mm. Mm. What are you saying? It's all right if she's great niece. No, I just you know, <laughs> like us to be correct. <laughs> the fur, the further back you remove it, the less mm, it becomes. <laughs> I like Emily Van Camp. I loved her in Revenge, which is a very different type of program, but okay. it's so much campy fun. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. Oh, I could watch great that dresses! Mm. I know it's on um, Star, I think. Nice. Oh. I will uh, be going to that. Yeah, I know. So I, I like her. I think there's a lot of potential here, you know. Um, but am I the only one who thinks that she's the power broker, or is that no. in general? Yeah. I assume that was the point. I think we we either think that or are meant to think that. Yeah, you know. which is which is why when I realised she was attacking all those guys, I was like, weren't those guys hired by the power broker to get the person who killed Selby? So I don't uh, know. I don't know whether it would have to be the power broker that did it. Yeah, I, it's it's not it's not cohesive enough, and I can see it being a plot hole. Just we want to show that she's a bit kick-ass now, so we'll give her a fight sequence. Well, it depends it, because there's the reasons. I particularly think, well, she's got to be something bigger. She's like fourth um, credited. So, unless mm-hmm. she's got Deborah Joe Rupp's agent. <laughs> um, and she is this the only season, one. The part of Deborah Joe Rupp will be played by. <laughs> <laughs> she's the only one with Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie, and Wyatt Russell who actually has a face shot in the credits. Okay. Everyone else has mm. some kind of symbol or something. Even right. Zemo, he gets, yeah, he gets the with credit, but it's his mask, it's not mm, okay. the actor. And various other things. But 
one of the holes in when I was thinking about that is then why does she give them Nagel if she is the power broker um, and the only thing I was thinking well maybe she thinks that Nagel's hiding something and this you know the threat of the Winter Soldier would be some way but they didn't expect you know because I think it was Bucky that shot him in the end wasn't it no it was Zemo was it Zemo it was yeah it was Zemo mm-hmm. okay is she trying to get them on side I think if she's a power broker, she's trying to use them. I don't know about whether she'd be... It's interesting, yeah, the argument about the hero hypocrisy. Mm. So, on, on that front, as as I continue my really trying to work out the politics of this show, mm. um, it was interesting to kick off with uh, some good old anti-American sentiment, which um, was very heavily laid on and I said I said to my wife oh that's interesting they put that in there and she said no they're the bad guys and I said oh what all these people she went yes <laughs> I said alright oh, <laughs> and, and she said this is an American TV show and this is Captain America that they're being very rude to and I said alright I missed that for a moment because <laughs> yeah, as, as Laura said he does come across ever so punchable mm-hmm. um, and I just, I I did find myself increasingly, I just think, annoyed with this, with the whole flag snatcher thing. And, and um, I mean, maybe let's cover Matthew's notes. The GRC, I mean, <laughs> what was it? Resettle, reset. Reset, restore. restore, rebuild. It was very check, change, go, wasn't it? I mean, I just, <laughs> ugh. <laughs> just uh, three word slogans and I are over. <laughs> Um, anyone feel they can explain that to me? No, and it's strange to include an advert. Mm. It would have been great if that advert had been in WandaVision, wouldn't well, it? Well, exactly. Like It's strange because we had adverts as such a heavy thing in WandaVision. And because oh. this is episode three and we've not done this before. And it's it's so remin- reminiscent of a show called Better Off Ted. Um uh, sitcom that opened, it, it was then working for this giant, giant company, a sort of Microsoft Google conglomerate thing called Viridian Dynamics, and they started off with a sort of spoof advert on on the theme of the episode, so they did, you know, a jokey racism advert about how they love everyone, but it's all white people in the adverts and stuff. This had that vibe that it was kind of a spoof of the thing, but it was doing the thing so heavily. I found hmm. I found it very odd. I mean, it was sort of introducing the idea of the resettlement camp, but when you actually see the resettlement camps, and it just that I got very lost on who was being resettled from where. You know, Carly yeah. saying, "Well, they threw us out when everyone came back. Who threw you out from where? Places have changed their borders. Is this why we had to go to Europe? A place, I guess, that from American." standpoints changes its borders as it pleases mm. um you know five years a oh, reshuffle all the <laughs> dice you know Libya. Oh, Libya. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> latvia lithuania i did spend a just, while looking up now just combined <laughs> it moves that quickly I've, I've found myself lacking in kind of research uh sometimes watching watching uh this show i did find myself briefly googling um the extent to which uh latvians get the bcg um tuberculosis vaccine which is you know it should have standard <laughs> since 1940 if anyone was interested but i did i did find it quite quite an interesting 
thing. And I suppose if they had been covering, you know, five years of people not getting their jabs at the appropriate school age, that would be quite interesting. But it didn't seem to be what we were covering there. Yeah, but it wasn't um, kids dying, was it? it that's what I'm mom. saying. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have had a jab. Mm. But maybe, maybe the impression is, oh, it's Eastern Europe. They're not as advanced well, to do that. Well, this is, this is slightly what I was wondering when I started looking it up. And I just thought, is this one of your perception things? Did you mm. research somewhere? Or did you fall back on, well, obviously they have a set of Malcolm in the Middle DVDs stashed away for better days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I'm not sure. It could be that this is really daring, not the bit about whether it's tuberculosis or not, but the idea that, you know, the GRC, mm-hmm. is that it? GRC is going to end up being, you know, corrupt and New Hydra. what have you, mm. potentially. Um, and the idea that, you know, if they really do run with the idea that this, this Captain America is not a good guy, I think it would be quite a interesting thing for marvel to do Mm. to actually say hey guys america is not the center of the universe but is he he's not working for the grc is he yeah he is yeah is he yeah he says um when i think i I felt like he'd sort of taken it on himself it's the truck ride isn't it the van ride yeah it's when Mm. they're in the truck yeah he says um about the this is when we're told because he says Mm. the grc are doing so and so so and so um and then and then Bucky, uh, not Bucky, Sam specifically says exactly what the GRC is and what they do. Um, but he's, you know, he says that something like, I don't know, sorry, he being Walker says they've got the resources and we're basically he works for them. Yeah, we're the resources they're using. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is very the interesting. They, that mm. is interesting. This is an international organization, I believe. Uh, but it's. One of its key emblems is American. And this is the idea behind the Sokovia Accords. So assuming he's signed mm. up to them. If, mm. if he is a superhero. Um, well, Captain the... America. Is it Captain... I mean, property rights. Is it Captain America who's signed up to them? Or is it... Steve never But, but he's Steve. not... Yeah. If he's not powered or anything, which may or may not be. Um, mm. He's just a man with a shield. But yeah, he... but Widow had to sign. True, 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 true. So, no, um, the, the, the point being... Like, he signed up with America and they've said, oh, go and work with the GRC to do whatever they want you to do. And it turns out the GRC are, you know, new Hydra. I don't know if they're going to go as strong as Hydra, but I think you know, new Hydra in, mm. but not in name. Mm-hmm. It's just government corruption, you know, that kind of thing. I think if they go down that route, I think that... And what we've seen with the Zaya, mm-hmm. mm. I think there is potential, if they, but I think they have to go for it and not just sort of hint. You haven't got very long, and what you've got is a young woman with a grudge and a mission, and not necessarily the full support of of anyone. Mm-hmm. Hmm. They they were definitely showing that it was her decision about the the explosion at the end that she's yeah. perhaps mm. becoming villainous More. for want of a better yeah. word. Um. But they themselves are not necessarily the bad guys. And I don't know if I necessarily bought that's the only language these people understand, mm. given what they'd shown us so far. That just felt so mm. lazy. It's escalation. Think, and and yeah. unfortunate. Mm. It's it just it, it it doesn't scan from the text. Um But is this us seeing um Morgenthau become you know more extreme and mm-hmm. to the point where there might be a split in the flag smashers? Mm. 
I suppose it's it's one of those things where you know we've just seen a meaningful person in her life die and now she's not going to be a history teacher so I guess better be a murderous revolutionary because those are the yeah. choices you can either be a history mm. teacher or make history yourself I mean maybe that's what she's thinking um it, it just she had such an interesting setup and I was sort of quite disappointed to see her almost kind of put in this place of and she is motivated motivated by this and taking this extreme action by that and now we're going to sort of put her over there and, and I hope that that's just kind of an episodic space mm. where we're going from A to B because she did seem more interesting and I thought the whole kind of Robin Hood thing not being in America's best interest was a was a really mm. interesting conversation mm-hmm. um, and I'm not sure once you've blown up that many people to make a point you can keep having the same conversation they did say I don't, was it the last episode when she was talking to her group and she said you know basically are you with me because after tomorrow or whenever it is there's no going back so I assume that's what this was good, okay. good point okay. I assume hmm. it was um, and I suppose speaking of kind of you know are we the bad guys there's Zemo, you know, just casually sprung out of jail in a unlikely. Anyone, anyone have any thoughts on the jailbreak? No. The whole point, <laughs> the whole concept of it, the execution. I could not have told you how he got out. It just it caused kind of... a disturbance. Yeah, but the the sort of step by step, even though they explained it, it just kind of went over my head, and I thought I, it doesn't. It's not clever enough. From what mm. I can gather that I want to go back and desperately understand it. But um, something I did think was interesting with the, which ties into both things we're talking about there, this hypocrisy of herohood and what have you, mm. is how heroic really are Sam and Bucky. You know, with with Steve, it was very clear it was built into his his DNA and that. With with Falcon, we've seen him. We've seen him as Steve's sidekick previously and so he was you know going along with Steve but I don't think we've seen enough of him yet yeah he worked for the military at the beginning of the series we saw him doing that um but I thought in this there was interesting mirroring in this episode with you've got um at some stage you've got uh Walker and Battlestar walking down a corridor and basically Battlestar saying something along the lines of um well, I'm not sure we can go to those those lengths. And then uh, I can't remember exactly what. And then um, Walker says, you know, if we get this done, they're not going to care how it's done, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Then when you mirror that against Falcon and um, Bucky working with Zemo mm. and helping to bust him out. Again, it's a case of, well, the means will justify the ends, mm-hmm. which mm, interesting. Randomly freeing a supervillain and letting him out of your sight seems an odd choice to me yep i just i mean again someone who remembers civil war slightly better than me like zemo really bad pretty bad really bad pretty bad i mean killed a lot of people pretty bad he he was a ends justify the means person as well Mm. absolutely and and did bad things to innocent people what ends are we justifying here what what are the means and ends that must be met. What is happening in this show? Well, so, so this is something someone. Um, let me double check who it was. 
I need to go back to all the Count's tweets to see. Because we've got half a Here dozen go. super soldiers, maybe a dozen super soldiers, mm. giving people vaccines in Germany, which is not good for the GRC, mm-hmm. for whom Walker is working. Mm-hmm. That's that. So, so I was getting tweets from um, R.A. Malosh on, on Twitter talking about it, it's difficult to apply some of the story writing ideas to this. The idea of protagonist having a goal, antagonist having a goal. Mm-hmm. And in theory, you make them the same goal. You make them goals that conflict. You know, you, you bring them together through whatever their goals are. I don't really know what Sam wants except comfortable familial situation. I don't really know what Bucky wants except possibly amends, possibly not amends. We don't know actually who our antagonists are and what they want, why there are super soldiers and what they're doing. And we will know by the end of the next three episodes, I dare say. We'll know who the antagonists are, we'll know what they wanted, we'll know how they came. But but I don't feel like it's saying Sam wants to stop the Flag Smashers. And that is no. his driving force because he sees them as a bad negative thing. They've heard mm. his friend and he thinks it's an android, an alien or a wizard. So he's investigating it. And this is now, and it is, you know, going back to very video gamey because it's just go and do the plot that needs to uncover this mystery. I mean, it does feel a lot like they're turning up to the day job after a really bad weekend out and just kind of <laughs> going going through the motions. I think I, I, I'm always interested in, in that kind of what do people want in a story? And I don't mind. I mean, I feel like I said this in week one. I really like the idea that Bucky doesn't actually want anything. He can't have what he wanted, which would be, you know, like mm. Steve not to be 102. Hmm. Um, and there we are. <laughs> and and that's that. So so given that he can't have what he wants, what else is there? And I think that is an interesting story. And I think that that is a bit Bucky's story is what is left. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if the show were fully acknowledging that, rather than just kind of dragging them on for the ride, I am tiring of some of the scenes our protagonists have together. Because I think, maybe maybe it's just this episode, and maybe it's the kind of explanatory writing, but it did feel a bit sort of over, overly explanatory, perhaps. Yeah. For me, Bucky doesn't want any more super soldiers out there. And Zemo doesn't want super soldiers out there. Well, there's a nuclear weapons argument there, isn't there, really? Yeah. They're, you know? they're a danger. And if the serum hasn't been used up fully, then that's a danger. They don't have the the goodness, let's say, that was Steve. Hmm. They've not been selected for hmm. their goodness. Did Zemo take a potion? A potion? I'm... Clearly playing a computer no. game here. And he, did he take a vial? Because I felt like there was a hand in a vial scene. We saw Nagel doing sciencey stuff when they got there. Yeah, but when everything it was all blowing up and everything, I felt like there was a hand in a vial. Oh, interesting. Very briefly, and I wondered if because because you lose Zemo for a bit, mm. and I wondered if he'd taken it, and then. Because he has a kind of all guns blazing moment and then pops up in a car. If he's got it, sorry, if, if he did grab the vial, I don't think he's taken it yet. Because whenever we've seen someone take it, it, it takes a bit of time for them to recover from taking it. Yeah, she it. talked about her veins were on fire and wished it would end. Yeah. And, um, 
I felt like she, you know, maybe wasn't expecting to transform mm. into a supervillain. <laughs> if anyone's going to take it, I'm expecting Sam to take it. Would we find ourselves wanting Sam to take it? It depends what the circumstances are. If it's a, he's in some situation where he needs to take it in order to survive or in order to reg- rescue somebody, yeah, then I think we'll accept that. Assuming there's any left. I mean, I, I'm not sure if that was intended to be a total destruction of what's left in the there's, world. There's no note on the plot summary that anyone took any. Okay. Um, okay. Which you feel like there might be. Yeah. But the point is that now Morgantau is the only person with any. Interesting. Yeah. And, and and the impression I got from the conversation she had with the guy um, before they blew up the place is that they haven't taken all of it. They've still got some vials mm-hmm. and that's why the power broker would come back. Mm. So there is still some in play. It's just I think in their so. hands, not mm. interesting. Mm. Um. I, I, I'd sorry. <laughs> Whilst we're on Zemo, I, I'm quite pleased you've watched Civil War more recently because it means I don't have to, and I can ask this question. <laughs> I, I, it's probably going to be put down to whole grief thing, but he's someone else I remember not having a personality, and I feel like they tried to make him a little bit more charming in this one, a little bit more Bond esque villain. Yeah, oh, he's very Bond esque villain, isn't he? Which I have to be honest, I love. I like this. If you're going to have a villain, lean into it. Particularly as we've got more complicated mm. people going on. I love the fact that he's just got you know, his private jet and what have you. This, this fabulous coat. Yeah, yeah. It was very bold. Absolutely. Um, it, but it was a bad guy coat. It, it feels like he was very dry and now suddenly he's got contacts and he's making comments. Oh, people like you and me know how to get out of this. Ha <laughs> ha, that's his accent. Dead on, by the way. Um, and he's done this hair uncanny. between scenes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so in yeah in Civil War we don't really get much of a sense of personality, but he was um, some kind of led some kind of Sokovian death squad for the military. Okay. So the idea just the kind of person you want to be charming completely. Mm-hmm. But so so that and yes he it, you know his we didn't know in Civil War that he was a Baron, but that's mm-hmm. from the comics, isn't it? So I think this idea that yes he, if he has moved in certain, very different circles, but certain circles, you know, the the charming, um, yeah, the whole rich guy, un- underworld contacts just seemed a little uh, as to the death squad as fortunate as him having a shed load of money and a private jet and cars, which he could just yeah. call up and that'd be fine, and no German prison is interested in tracking him <laughs> at all. No. Just you know, airspace. He's now free. Yeah, Baron. That's fine. Baron von airspace. No problem. <laughs> yes, but he's got his um, Alfred there, hasn't he? Who's clearly fixed. Well, not by the there. end, because he was doing the service. He, he did <laughs> shout up about about changing Berserk. We're changing destination when they, okay. when they decide to go to Riga. So maybe he was flying. Maybe he's flying. It could be flying yes. to plane. Um, can I just take a... the fridge, which I thought was a very important <laughs> point that we needed to cover. The fridge in the private jet wasn't that working. That was weird. I, I, I really did find that slightly... I mean, I'm disgusted by warm champagne as much as the next person, but... <laughs> that was very strange. Um, just a moment, if I may, to talk about my love of uh, Daniel Brühl and the wonderful film from which i thought i'd made up until my friend chloe tweeted about it It turned out it wasn't a dream i'd had it was a real (laughs) film starring judy dungeon maggie smith who find 
and we're all washed up on a beach. And it's a film directed by Tywin Lannister, um, or Charles Dance. Mm. And it's 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 exactly the film you think it's going to be from that description. <laughs> and I haven't seen it since, but I, I just it called? I, it's called Ladies in Lavender, okay. and uh, it's it's his first English film appearance. And it, yeah, it's real. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, haven't seen that for a really long time, but I think we should all watch it. <laughs> and uh, it can't hurt. <laughs> so so there's that. But um, that, that's the other thing as well. I really like him as an yeah. actor. Mm. Um, and I enjoyed his performance. And yet again, I found myself annoyed to have our protagonist slightly undermined by a charming non-protagonist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was all so quippy. Oh. More successfully quippy in this um, as well. What, wanted to, you know, give Sam a little lecture on diaspora black fashion, and <laughs> uh, which was interesting. And, you know, had strong feelings about Marvin Gaye, you know, mm. out of line, but he's right. <laughs> Fine, but why is he there? <laughs> So it, it, oh, weird. I mean, it, he is the other contender at the moment for Power Broker. Oh, you think? Mm. Potentially. I didn't think of this. Why, why, of why it, would you think Because of, of his knowledge of all of this, this thing, his knowledge of all this stuff. He just rocks up and suddenly has planes and cars and contacts. And... But wouldn't they have thought of that? They don't I mean... strike me as a pair that do a lot of thinking. This is what worries me, is I don't feel like they're not clever. Like, surely after you do all these things and you travel around the world and you do all this teamwork and stuff, you know, are we really suggesting that, like, the drivers are in charge now? Like, that didn't seem to me to be what the show is. Mm. But it's not It's not doing them many favours, I guess. No. And and all we're, all we're doing is running with Sam's kind of internal quiet conflict. Um, Bucky's bad decisions and <sighs> got three episodes guys mm-hmm. yeah intelligence shouldn't be a problem definitely for Bucky because um, assuming he got something very similar to what Steve had Steve was intelligently no that's not right is it mentally enhanced <laughs> as well as physically Right. so mm. you'd imagine that should have happened with Bucky as well I really hope you were about to say he was intelligentized. <laughs> that's what Sam needs with the serum. Intelligification serum. <laughs> uh, it's just... It, it, you're, it feels... you're absolutely right. It's not great when the other people in the series are more interesting yep. than our two protagonists. Speaking of other people being too interesting for their own good in this show... Who was Selby? I mean, I know who Selby was because the actress is Abigail from Lost, and yes. I remember this on account of being another Abigail, and we remember each other. Um, but she's in Lost for like a second, and yes. then there she is turning up like someone out of EastEnders. You're right? <laughs> <In> EastEnders. <laughs> and, and again, I, I, I says, "My wife, oh look, there's that," and and she says, "That accent, they're a bad guy." Weird mockney <laughs> accent, yeah. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I thought we were supposed um, to feel well disposed towards them, like, you know, in uh, Fast and the Furious. <laughs> no, I think it's more meant to be the Cray twins. Yeah, no. <laughs> Apparently so. But who who was she? She was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. As this character? No, as, well, 
I mean, Shelby could be her underground name, so maybe. Uh, no, she was one of the doctors that worked on... Um, uh, Coulson? Coulson, yeah, in the Tahiti Project. Mm. Oh, interesting. Is that related to serum? I... No. I'm not seeing this. Okay. Uh, That's no. alien malarkey. Gotta say, and she wasn't the dressed serum. very Ooh, serum could have been Cree related. Don't think so, because it's supposed to be sciencey. Yeah, but the the sciencey Cree the stuff that they used on um, Coulson mm. was sciencey, but from a Cree yeah. body. Certainly, the stuff on Steve, I don't, I don't think it was. I don't no. see on this one. Yeah, I don't. I think it just is. is you know, they came across her from that, or it was coincidental. Mm. But anyway, she was on payroll anyway, so it was exactly. It was really easy to set her up. Because it was it was such a kind of here we are doing this sequence which seems meaningful with a strong visually audibly interesting character. Oh, she's over now. Oh, that's done. But is weird? That, I don't know if that is a that's a bit of a, a short term misdirect of oh this is the big boss person. Oh no, that one's dead. There must be another big mm. boss person. But he, he even said, oh, I know a mid level enforcer who, and we go up from there. Yeah, you're and, right. Actually, you know, yeah, it was just. It, it is yeah. so video gamey. It's just. <laughs> mm. I mean, it's like Broken Sword. From Broken Sword, it's that mm-hmm. kind of point and click. Do you pick up the phone? Do you put it on mm-hmm. speaker? <laughs> 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 that kind of, do you just hang up and say, I don't have to perform for you? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the whole Smiling Tiger thing. I mean, we've not been told who Smiling Tiger is or what his personality is. So, so Sam literally just keeping his mouth shut and hoping that's the thing. Because I was expecting from the picture, Smiling Tiger would be larger than life. Yeah, give yep. me the snake bite stuff, man. And he's just like thumbs up at things. And that seems to be going down okay. They're not like, hey, dude, it's really weird. You've normally said 100 words by now. So. Yeah. And even the snake thing, he wasn't exactly convincing with it, was he? No. He looked as disgusted as possible, but the fact he drank it was the snake thing. Is it just a test? Was it an Indiana Jones moment? Like, what are we doing? I one it was interesting. I read an article. They were talking about Madripoor, Mm -hmm. and the writer who I now cannot remember the name of, but they were not. They were basically a bit disappointed that because Madripoor is meant to be kind of this famous place in the comics, isn't it? Madripoor is part of Wolverine's story, so again, you ah. know, you just hope in the background you're going to have some Wolverine. <laughs> See some and I think also, I think it's from um, Uncanny X Men, and I think the Black Widow is also there. Ah, so this isn't somewhere. just some, you know, made up for this mm. series. Place. It's a it's a thing in in the comics, yeah. but I mean, there's a lot of things in the comics. You know, it's not drawn from nothing. So the the writer was disappointed that we were seeing the Disney Plus version of Madripoor. And that if it was this den of iniquity. iniquity. Um, what is it? That, what's the Star Wars thing? The den of something and villainy? Uh, 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 hive of scum and villainy. Hive of scum mm. and villainy. That's what I was trying to think. So if it is meant to be this, then you would be seeing a lot more going on in the background. Um and, you know, more the three boob ladies, cat ladies, <laughs> gyratingly <laughs> against Star Trek, that kind of thing. But because they, they couldn't show a lot of that stuff because mm. it's it's Disney Plus, instead you're getting shots of um, machine guns glinting and then this weird snake thing. Mm. Just talk about the guns for a second. A lot, a lot of guns in this episode. A lot of guns. 
quite uncomfortable again. It's, I... it's the gun end of the Marvel Universe. And Winter it... Soldier always is. Mm. I mean, that's really yeah. what Winter Soldier has, is mm. big gun. That might be another reason I don't remember very much of Winter <laughs> Soldier. I mean, I don't mind, you know, stuff goes bang, but I don't like mixing it with superheroes. I, I, I mean, it really stands out that they can now use Madripoor. I'm assuming it was probably part of what Fox owned. Because, yeah, exactly. Like, this was so reminiscent well, of the... Wolverine. Yeah, this was so reminiscent of the Black Panther bit in Korea. Going to the casino there. Mm. It, it almost feels like they should have set this in the same place, except now they can use the made-up place that is supposed to be this place in the universe. They might as well go ahead and do it, but... It's not impossible that it might be in Black Widow. Mm. Ooh, it could, could be part of, mm. um, of that film, and then every, that would be a nice tie. Yeah, you know, if they've already done some set or mm-hmm. something, because um, it looked really cool from the hmm. the skyline and that it looked like it was going to be really cool. But as you say, we kind of got um, chipping containers. So, <laughs> and I feel like at some point we are going to meet Smiling Tiger, and is he going to be played by Anthony Mackie? Why do you think that? We'll I like. Him? Why do you think we'll meet him? Because of the constant references and things of it, and the photo of him. Okay. I, just it, it would be so strange to reference pretending to be someone and then you know hey you're that guy who was pretending to be me hey we could be brothers let's form a you know party and let's party up and looking for group go and have a raid but you could say form a band for video something. game references <laughs> <laughs> can i say the one thing i really enjoyed mm-hmm. ao yes ao oh, arriving gosh. that was a relief it's and I liked the way that the um, what the hell are they called? The little beads. The little beads, um, left the trail. Oh, okay, the Wakanda at the end. Wakanda. Okay, yes. I um, didn't know their name. Yes. Ah. Ayo. That was that was a joy. And the fact that White Wolf picks up on them and mm-hmm. knows, you know, knows that they're going to be there and everything, and her arriving, and it makes complete sense that she's come for Zemo, given. He blew up the UN, which killed um, to Chaka. To Chaka, and she was there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that he's done this for, on request, this whole springing Zemo, that he's making some amends by giving Wakanda an opportunity Ooh. for revenge? They've had an opportunity for revenge. Better opportunity for revenge. T'Challa didn't take it, but T'Challa isn't... Well, actually, we don't know if T'Challa's around anymore, do we? Because that hasn't been answered. Mm. Mm. But even if she's just there to get him back in prison... What I thought you were about to say, Abby, is has he done it on purpose because he wants the help of Wakandans to to do whatever the next thing is? Mm. Also possibly this. So he sort of brought them into play. That's a a bit of of a... Machiavellian, oh, you might say. <laughs> oh, you might, you <laughs> might say it's something. I was, I was wondering what the Machiavellian trope was going to be, <laughs> but one might. Well, say. it's just that's like I'm surprised Zemo hasn't read all of his books already, given that's what that Zemo's thought, supposed yeah. to be. You know, yeah. Just because you've read them once doesn't mean you can't revisit a favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's. I mean, that is also a good point. I, I think I was just so pleased because it's like, well, here's you know a spring ending that's introducing somebody I do want to see more of, whose yep. storyline I am interested in, and that we didn't know was coming. Who... Yeah, finally, that's the thing. Mm. 
Finally this, a surprise. The best ending by far of the three so far. And yeah. it's the first time I've thought, oh, mm. I'm curious to see where this goes mm-hmm. in a, you know, if the next episode was available, I would have watched it, you know, off the back of this mm. one. Off the back of those two minutes. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. And I again, though, I do worry that it is slightly the problem of... Um, here we are bringing even more interesting people than our protagonist in. Yeah, but if they're not going to be interesting, I'd rather have other interesting people to, <laughs> to deal with. I mean, is that is that maybe part of the... Is that going to be part of the point of the show? Are they knowingly like this? Is the story that, that not all heroes um, are heroic? Is is this about what the defin- of heroic, definition of heroic is? I hope so. I think that would be that would be interesting. I'm still all of this not... muddledness needs to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. If it's all just mm. because they're saying the world is bloody complicated, it's not as simple as superhero stories would have you believe normally. Um, good, by, good guys are bad guys. Bad guys are good guys. I think we're probably going to have some flips inside. So I think mm-hmm. at some stage we'll end up with. Um, with Falcon and Bucky actually on the side of the Flag Smashers, not necessarily politically, but just then against Zemo, because mm. Zemo's going to want to kill him because or they're all the super soldiers, mm. or the power mm-hmm. broker, etc. So I think we might see some kind of side swapping. Mm. Um, and I think all that complexity is great. It's just it needs to be clear to us what's going on. Mm. And it, it is interesting to do a drama that has this. You know, like, like The Boys has done and a few other things of, you know, can superheroes be trusted? What happens when they come under yeah. corporate control and so on? But the world we live in, I don't go to the MCU for gritty, realistic deep things. You know, I want the jokey tax jokes about the blip. And I want exciting adventures and fun things. I, I've always loved the MCU because it has a side of fun with your superhero stuff. Which I think is what we're meant to be getting with their banter. But their banter has been falling a bit flat. Oh, it's awful. It's, in this one, it's just snark. I yeah, I'm trying to think. I liked Sam saying he couldn't run in his heels. I think that's probably yeah. the only thing I laughed at. But they are cramming a lot in. There were a lot of what I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, like when I look back on the episode, I can remember Sharon Carter fighting and lots of conversations. You know exactly like we just said that don't go anywhere. And there's bigger topics that I'm kind of interested in. But I don't think the show is going to go anywhere near them. I, I don't understand why they are against Walker having the shield. Okay, expand on that. So there is this whole thing of we should take the shield from him. I want the shield. You shouldn't have given it up. There is an argument of you shouldn't have given it up. It should have stayed within the family, something along those lines. Yeah. But Walker, to my eyes, has not done anything to say he shouldn't perhaps have this legacy. Well, I think Bucky's pretty straightforward that Steve wanted you to have it, mm-hmm. therefore you should take on this mantle. He trusted you with it, mm-hmm. etc. And I think I can understand Sam feeling very uncomfortable about what's happened because his understanding was this shield was going into a museum um, and the guy shook his hand and told him he was doing the right things, but it's a museum. Mm-hmm. And the next thing he sees on the news is someone else has been given it. And clearly this wasn't a speedy decision because the guy has been practicing with the shield yeah. and what have you. And so the fact that they didn't even tell him, mm-hmm. that alone bring him in on the decision as to who should take it up. 
And I think there's an argument, should there, should there even be a Captain America at this stage? Absolutely. Yeah, that would be an interesting way to go. Like, it, it, it would be interesting for me to understand Bucky's thing of, I'm going to take the shield. Well, I'm not sure you're Captain America, and I'm not sure you with that shield is the thing everyone wants to see. So I think that's a misstep, mate. If they were leaning hard on Walker is a government puppet and we don't trust what they're going to use him for and the shield shouldn't stand for whatever they use, that's maybe. But it is just we don't want him to have it because we're supposed to have it. And I don't I don't think the show's given me the reason for that other than Steve gave it to to Sam. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't I think, again, as we're saying with a lot of these things, it's not a lot of clarity Mm. around it now. If that pays off at some stage, because there was with lots of things in Wonder Vision, there was very little clarity as to mm. what was going on. But I trusted that they were going to get to it, yeah. and it was deliberate that we didn't know what the hell was happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much I'm feeling that here. Do you know this feels like there are lots of well written scenes, mm-hmm. not necessarily in this episode, but if I think generally, you know, like the the Isaiah scene, you know, that mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. real. I mean, the performance is amazing as well, but lovely Carl Lumley. Any opportunity to talk about him. But the connectivity between all of it. Mm. Yeah. And when you take that step back, it does seem a little bit messy. Yeah. And again, maybe that's because we're going for really complicated antagonists and, and protagonists to a degree. And then when it all comes out in the wash, it will be, this was, you know, really clever and complicated. Mm. I'm just not seeing it yet. No. I don't really trust we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I suspect there might be an element of mystery box, but I don't think the denouement is going to be as interesting yeah. as Agatha all along. No, I'm not thinking... Well, the only mystery box I think they might string along a bit longer is who the power broker is. Mm. But, uh, but no, I don't mean necessarily mystery box, but I think more in um, investigating the complexities of the Flag Smasher's mm. position. Mm. And the complexities of Zemo's position. Because I think it's interesting even with Zemo when he's talking about Steve when they're on the plane. And he's saying, you know, there, it's not just... You can see with what he's saying, it's not just I hate superheroes because they killed my family. Mm-hmm. He at least, whether this is because he's decided to justify it in his own yeah. mind. But, this, you know, as he says, this idea that there are... You know, Bucky was sent to war as a young man because there was someone who was held above everybody else as being better than everybody else mm. or superior in some way with Hitler and that there's always a danger of that if you have people who are on pedestals and he even takes it the step further what if you then had an army of those people yeah and what do you do then and which is yeah. which, which is the, probably the fairest point about the super soldier thing but that's made after they go on the hunt for it so mm. I'd be interested to see where the show goes I'm just I'm not into it and and I feel like it will be really good when we can watch the whole thing and just go, okay, that was a story. Yeah. Mm. I'm not angry. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> Sorry, no, Mum. No, it's it's a case. The thing is, though, I think this would be fine if we were... It's our own fault. <laughs> we're sitting down, watching it multiple times and analysing it to death. Mm. Um, I think if I was just watching it, it would be fine. I don't know I'd watch each episode a second time, but it would be pleasant enough Marvel filler to get me through till Loki. Mm-hmm. But I am, unfortunately, I am now kind of, I, I think there's still some interesting things that the Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier can do, particularly if we go back to Isaiah, 
Mm. I'm yeah. annoyed if we just leave that. Yeah, again, there has um, been some, you know, and the stuff with the sister and the stuff with the amends and the small stories, really interesting. Yeah. Mm. So I think there's potential still for this to be good mid-tier. Mm-hmm. But I think by the end of it, it's going to be a case of, oh, there were some great things in there. It set some stuff up. Now onto Loki. But possibly finally delivering on the promise of Sharon Carter. I hope so. Whether that's as power Maybe. broker or mm. not, I hope that we get something more from her. Because the, mm. the slightly annoying thing is that when I look at the Marvel shows that we've got, this seems the most likely to get a season two. But have they greenlit season two? Couldn't tell you. But I, I, I'm sort of hoping if she is a power broker, it's the kind of thing where she becomes like the new Nick Fury go to when she rocks up. It's like, oh, a thing is happening or she's the person you go to for assistance on something. It's not just she's the villain. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. A useful underground contact, potentially. Mm, as an ongoing concern. Yeah. Like, I do not believe hmm. in any way that Sam can, check, can clear her name. No. I think Steve could have while he was still around. I'm a little surprised no one has. I know. You know. Sexist. Yeah. Yeah. Talking of that, really annoyed me that they keep calling um, Carly Morgenthau Carly. Walker calls her Carly, Sam calls her Carly, and Zemo does. Mm. I can't think of a time where we've got, in the MCU, a normal named human, you know, so not Dumamu or somebody. Um, <laughs> a guy... He is always by his surname. It's not a, f- a familiar thing. He's not called so, so He's called Zemo. So you mean like Zemo? We do also call Sam Sam. Yeah, but Sam isn't a villain. Sam's a friend. Okay, you mean as a villain? So, okay, well, okay. I mean someone that okay. they don't know. Okay. A, a, a... Like, like Bucky. But Bucky was Steve's friend. True. I'm going through the films. I can't remember now. So Johann Schmidt, he's not. They don't call him Johann ever, do they? <laughs> no. And like, um, what's his name? Sam Rockwell in Iron Man Two. Yeah, Hammer. For instance, you know, if we've got someone who is not necessarily no, uh, who is a shade of grey. I think he is. He is called Hammer throughout. Justin Hammer sometimes, both names. I don't remember anyone recalling. I don't recall anyone calling him Justin when mm-hmm. they're in conversation amongst themselves. Yeah. Anyway, small thing. But annoyed me. I'm looking up a list of all the films so I can think through all the villain people. Uh, feature films. Here we go. Right. There's not that many that have normal names. Laura, I am completely saving the point. Thank you. Because when I look at them, yes, it, it is. Like it, it, Ant-Man is a good comparison. They call those villainous men by their last names yep. uh, in, in those films. Cross. But I, I actually, Ant-Man 2, I think they even call her Ava. They don't call her Star. No, yeah, she's Ava as well. Yeah. I, I, I And I don't know... You, you. I need to stop talking. You'll be able to talk to this much better. Why people call women by their first name, men by their last name in these situations. It's infantilizing. Interesting. Oh, sorry, that's my opinion. That isn't my professional okay. opinion. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, it's... It's um, friendlier. It's, you know, and, and it's... It's softer. Mm. That's that's my only thought is is you do that if you are keeping them not necessarily as the bad person, but mm. I, I, I feel like that explosion at the end is moving her into 
Oh, yeah. Uh, she's going to be the villain, even if the Flag Smashers or the other super soldiers become part of the, the Avengers network. Yeah. People mm. have crossed over. <laughs> I mean, we see it We see it with um, news organisations all the time when they have a... I mean, the BBC had a, a, was a stink over it because they had a, a two professors on talking about something and he was professor, blah, 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 and she was Emma or whatever it was. You know, that's the way they referred to her. Right. Etc. And that happens time and time again. So... Mm. Uh, anyway, I just I think it's completely subconscious, uh, but it's interesting. And now in the next one, they'll refer to a Morgenthau throughout, and I can <laughs> I will very happily retract that. Just going back to Madripoor briefly, and um, the kind of conversation that that does hmm. and should prevail at these times. Um, interesting article which uh, we can link to in the show notes uh, regarding for. Uh, considering it's a small island off the Indonesian coast, uh, or was it part of Southeast Asia, hmm. uh, remarkably, notably few people of Asian origin or descent in yeah, that's true. the scenes hmm. um, that we get to see. And I think um, if you compare it, for example, to uh, the South Korea sequences in Black Panther, hmm. um it, it's just interesting to see. I was wondering whether, as it's something of a den of iniquity, um, not at all cherry-picking phrases I might have recently heard, um, that they're hoping not, not to kind of put any kind of negative association or sort of racial stereotyping in there, but in a certain sense, when you, when you overthink to this extent, when you go mm-hmm. to the trouble of localising something, and then you take the facts of the matter away, you know, wherever you are, there will be a certain number of local people working, a certain number of local people visiting yeah. um, any kind of place because of proximity, because that's a thing, even in Madripoor, I'm sure. Mm. So it, it seemed notable and it seemed to, to have all of the aesthetic and none of the people. Yeah, oh, um, that's really interesting. I did see some people complaining that the music that was playing in the club was Philippine and not Indonesian, hmm. which I think, well, clubs play music from lots of different places, but I think that, that is bang on, um, Abby. And yeah, it's, it's worth a read. Because I felt the skyline was really trying to channel a sort of Dubai look. Okay. But then, you're absolutely right, when they got into it, it started feeling like they were doing this and the uh, much older world. Singapore, for, for mm, that kind of mix even of more old, so. the new, yeah, the yeah, money yeah. and the... Yeah. Mm. And and the bridge in particular mm-hmm. and, and that sort of um, skyscraper aesthetic and, and you can absolutely see that point. So. Mm, okay. But yeah, and I think it's interesting you know, we consider we've got um, Shang-Chi coming in terms yeah. of Marvel's foray into mm-hmm. its first, is it first Asian superhero, I believe. Uh, I think it's... Uh, lead, because you've got Benedict Wong as Wong. So I suppose mm-hmm. Sorcerer. Yeah, as much as does he count as a sorcerer or a yeah, practitioner? Yeah, he's, he's a sorcerer. Hmm. Isn't he? Sorcery. I think hmm. as much as um, Stephen Strangers. Shang Chi, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, who directed his first big film was was based off his short film that he did for his degree, uh, Short Term Twelve, which was Brie Larson's first lead role. Ah, mm. that's interesting. Very cool. And brought Lakeith Sanfield back to acting and. Great performances from Rami Malek and Stephanie Beatrice and all sorts. Cool. Hmm. Sounds worth watching. Is that worth watching? Very much so. I saw it on Prime this weekend. It's really good. <laughs> oh, it's a little hard, but... Hmm. 
Well, I like is, is when the Marvel Universe joins the dots yeah. with itself. Mm. I think it's very good at joining the dots with itself sometimes. Less so with <laughs> with the world on which it's built. Yeah. Um, well, and, and as we were just saying, we are hoping that this is going to join its own dots at some point. And by the end of it, we're going to go, ah, we can see all the points they, they've done and why they've done it. Just at the moment, it feels lost somewhere. And I, I do think that it does come back to the fact that it is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And they're not giving us much to work with. And I they're want that rubbish. to be a deliberate choice. But, <laughs> but you know, they're, they're such good actors. They're such... Mm. They're so... I'm enjoying looking at them. Yeah. And they say things well. And then the <laughs> things they say. And that first episode gave them a lot to do, and they were really good in it. And they've had mm. nothing since. Yep. Hmm. Okay. And just you know, very briefly to talk about kind of Sam and Sarah, because um, because we said in the last episode, is is Sarah going to come back? Um, it was so interesting to meet her in the first episode, and then the second episode was a new start where she didn't seem to exist. I didn't. I didn't feel the cameo that we got was hugely valuable, mm. and it felt like a bit of a shame. It felt like the woman being an inconvenience. Yep, nagging, getting him in trouble. It, mm. it is reminding us that that story exists. True. And 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 this show has been very heavy on. God, you know Sharon Carter had to go on the run, and we had to go on the run. Next episode, Sharon Carter turns up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. You know, make sure we know what happens. They're a bit clunky with their Easter eggs, I think. I have to say mm. as well, like things like the the movie seat up. You're like, yes, we know, we know about that. And I, I, I don't know about that. They're going to be wondering why he won't move his seat up. You know? Yeah, it just. I I don't think anyone laughed at that moment. My wife laughed. Really? Mm. Really? Oh, Is she just feeling sorry for she, them? Was it a pity laugh? It to us. I think she was tired. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, if it meant something, I don't think she got it. I think, as someone with long legs, she was just like, "Oh, that's funny." <laughs> Has that previously happened? Yeah, but in reverse. It's the same joke. Oh, mm. I see. Usually, yeah, she remembers the these things. So, right. Usually, yeah. Usually, she's good at that. But no. <laughs> the reason it was kind of a big thing is that was meant to be then when um, Kevin Feige. Um, saw the chemistry between the two characters and therefore decided to, that they should be in a show together. So it's been talked about quite a bit. Uh, I don't know if this is worth calling out, but when Zemo greets his Alfred, he kisses on both cheeks and gets on the plane. And I was fully expecting a moment of gay panic and it didn't come. And maybe that's progress? I just expected someone to be like a I'm just going to give you a handshake, bro, type thing. Yeah. And they just, no one commented. It was just a thing. It's, you know, kooky Europeans. Europe. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I do wonder, I do, I mean, again, benefit of the doubt, great. Do wonder if there is a bit of a um, pass for kooky Europeans. Mm. Don't know. Yeah, I, I I don't think it's, it's, I think it's European rather than gay. How interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Which for some Americans... Those words are synonymous, so... <laughs> mm. And um, I do think it's interesting we're getting a sort of relatively asexual three episodes of of show. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, there was a lot of Sharon's in for the love interest, and uh, I was I was quite pleased. I mean, I didn't I didn't love the bit where he, it was it was that Sam said, "Oh, she's awful now." No, Bucky. and I thought that's interesting. It was a Bucky who yeah. said that. I'm sorry, Sam. I didn't mean it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked her. I liked her questioning things. I like that, that yeah. this is clearly a, a sort of bitter side of her from what, everything that she's been through, but it feels earned and valid. And... Yeah, but she's living a different life. Mm. So... And, and I did enjoy that part of it. I mean, I didn't... I'm not sure. I can't remember. It was so long ago because I had to restart my computer. So it's it's very long. Ago. I can't remember what I said about Sharon at the beginning. I think I think I wasn't thrilled, but I think mostly I wasn't thrilled because she was in a different show. Almost. Mm. Um, I really liked her fighting as well. It felt very kind of scrappy, but you could see she had training particularly with the way she held the gun and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it was John Wick. Feeling, mm. Yeah, the kind of scrappy, mm. grab what needs, you know, what's to hand, use the other person's weapon against them, all that kind of stuff. Which if you think, you know, if she has been in this kind of dark world for a while and having to mm-hmm. fend for herself was quite different from what I remember to her fighting style when she was in Winter Soldier, mm. which I think was it was cleaner. She I was think. definitely immersed in the place that she was in. Yeah. Um, sort of in all senses I suppose but I guess if she is the power broker then um, that would explain the nice house maybe I don't know yeah yeah it was mm-hmm. it was an interesting kind of um, post-colonial apartment one thing I meant to talk about earlier and I forgot about is um, when we were talking about um, them well Bucky springing Zemo from prison and we were thinking about you know what could be the, his motivation his true motivation for that is I recall that in his little book of people, you've got Zemo on that list. Yeah, because it was very interesting when he took the notebook and commented on someone else's name. Yeah, he commented on Nakajima and not, you know, himself. <laughs> so, it, it, like, it, it, uh, is it that his Zemo's name is on there because Zemo needs not just amends, but... Well, I think there's two lists, isn't there? There's the people I've wronged and therefore, mm-hmm. like... Um... RJ's dad, Yuri. And then there's the people who I have done wrong stuff for mm. who need dealing with, which was like mm-hmm. the senator. So I'm assuming Zemo is on the I need to deal with list. Um, mm. So that might be one of the reasons I'm getting out that he doesn't feel he has been dealt with. I suppose mm. I'm really hoping that, that there is some kind of Bucky's own story that, that Bucky is doing here. And um, I suppose there's something fairly interesting about the idea of him making himself the protagonist, um, regardless of whether the writers want him to be. <laughs> I, I think that's quite an interesting idea that he has his own agenda mm-hmm. and is doing his own thing. And I think that would make some of the, well, it's weird that you're here in Germany now, um, a little bit more forgivable um, in my book. Anyway, and and Sharon does call him. Carter, mm. Carter does call him Mr. Mister America. Yeah. I think she says best friend, mm. but there's a... Oh, there's definitely a, a suggestion. Mm. Well, I felt like it implied Cap and Misty, you know. Well, exactly. Right. And, yeah. and yeah. you know, he he was second fiddle and is potentially second fiddle here. Yeah. But it's just, Sam is also second fiddle. I don't feel like we have a first fiddle at the moment. I thought it was interesting someone was filming him when he was pretending to be the Winter Soldier again in the bar. So there's mm. someone had a phone up, so I wonder if that's going to come back and, uh, and mm. bite him in the future. And this this was another thing that um that reminds me of 
thing that I was thinking about, which is that it's interesting that in Madripoor, they haven't been keeping up with the show. You know, they're not aware of um, the situation with the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, when they were, when we were in the first episode, you know, people were well aware and, and of how the Avengers were doing and grateful to them. And you just think you, you really are picking and choosing who's got cable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, because someone, when he he's beating up people in the bar, someone says, um, oh, it didn't take, long for him to turn back no Zemo says that to Sam oh is it Zemo that says it it was was very dark (laughs) (laughs) it was very dark like all good nights yeah it's it's Zemo just sowing ideas of distrust you know yeah yeah. oh that's far more interesting It, it, it is, but it is also again. I just, I just thought it was a bit odd. Like it's, it's weird that Zemo's got this confident play, and it's like also you've been in prison. How come you? I mean, how long has he been in prison for? Well, Civil War is set around twenty eighteen, twenty seventeen, surely. Now. Possibly twenty twenty four. Uh, six months post blip. Mm-hmm. Do we know if anything happened to Zemo in the blip or not? We don't know if he blipped or not. Yeah. So I get the impression he it, didn't. I just sort of feel it's a bit rich for him to, as you say, land with a network, but also a plan. Mm. Did you not see he had a chessboard in his uh, in his cell and clearly therefore has been plotting his scheme all along? And and yeah. is reading Machiavelli, just in case yeah. you're wondering and what sort of villain he is. Yeah. Like Queen's Gambit, then that would be fine. <laughs> that would be a way to strategize your way through the endgame. But no! <laughs> <laughs> this is not that show. This is a different show where he has plans around the narrative. And you just kind of go, I just, I, I'm not sure. Uh, and I get that he wears a purple hood thing in the comics. But if you're going to make him wear it in this, make him wear it for more than 30 seconds. He wears it, shoots someone, takes it off. Like, Yeah, but it was kind of kick-ass when he did it. <laughs> Which really is what we're going for here, isn't it? And we're going to see it again. It's not like it burnt up or something. I'm not sure we are going to see it again. Oh, no. Just... I don't know. Mm. Just... I think Zemo's going to survive this. I think he's... Oh, yeah. Mm. One, of the more he's inter- back? one of the more interesting villains. So... What if he's moved into the house next door to Agatha? <laughs> if this is what we just do. Like like in Arrow, they send them off to Liang Yu. Oh, super villain village. <laughs> Westview is now... And prisoner special in my dreams. Marvel, call me. I will write it. It will be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is all I need. So, hopes for next episode, Matthew. That it's going to take my interest. <laughs> How close are you to, to losing all interest? It it was a struggle to watch this a second time for this recording. It took two sittings. Fair. Yes. Laura? I am hoping that we will get the reveal that Sharon is a power broker and that they will do something interesting with that that we will get a bit more clarity on uh, what's going on with the Flag Smashers, whether that's Morgan Powell um, sort of being shunned slightly by them because she's going too far and then we get some swapping sides or what have you. I hope we go back to the some more of the Asaya stuff. It was mentioned today. Uh, today It was mentioned in this episode. But you know, I, I will really want to get back to him. But yeah, and, and Ao, I want to see what goes on with Ao. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That really does need to pay off in the next one, given that's that's the sort of game changer at the end of this one. But the biggest thing is I want to come on next week and be back to my Pollyanna, the MCU can do no wrong, 
because what I don't want to do, which we will do if we have to, but I don't want to spend the next three weeks complaining (laughs) because I don't really enjoy that. No, no, we want to revel in how good and clever and fun it is. Yeah. I ain't got none of that this episode. I do feel like if it doesn't amp up any further and if we do just have the Falcon and the Winter Soldiers just kind of bumbling on through mm. i feel like i'm going to be weirdly enthusiastic after the end of six episodes of that like so if it's any reassurance <laughs> the more everyone else is annoyed by it the more <laughs> interested i will have been good, that good, that's good. what happened so so you know like safety net one of us can pollyanna so be fine. <laughs> um yeah on which note you can find us on twitter at eloquent gushing i'm also on twitter i'm at matthew vose i'm at laura geeks out you know what? There's no good quotes from this episode to end with, are there? You know, I just, I, I really felt like in, Mar- in marvelous. There was always something that stuck out every week, and then we were all spoilt for choice. But uh, there's no hair full of secrets or, or anything. Uh... I can't run in these heels. I mean, that's just life, though. <laughs> <laughs>